You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 152. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, we've got the band back together, and we're looking at listener questions on no less than four interesting stocks. We have three Your Stock, Our Take segments for your listening pleasure. The first is on Lightspeed Commerce Inc., symbol LSPD on the TSX, a point-of-sale platform solutions provider for small to mid-sized enterprises in the retail and restaurant industries. Lightspeed provides an end-to-end solution that integrates front-end software, back-end software, and payments. A listener asks us if Lightspeed could be the next Shopify. Our second Your Stock Our Take came from a listener asking us to compare two renewable stocks. The first, GreenLane Renewables Inc., symbol GRN on the TSX, and the second, Northland Power Inc., symbol NPI on the TSX. Northland is a global power producer dedicated uh, with a long history of developing, building, owning, and operating clean and green power infrastructure assets and is a global leader in offshore wind. Whereas GreenLane is a smaller niche company which provides biogas upgrading systems that are helping decarbonize natural gas. Aaron takes a look at each business and their value propositions at current prices. Finally, Brennan answers a question on Nova Leap Health Corp, symbol LH or NLH on the TSX. It provides in-home personal care services largely to seniors impacted with physical or mental issues that prevent fully independent living. Specifically, Nova Leap focuses on non-medical and private pay home care services with clients being seniors suffering from dementia. A listener asks us if the recent acquisition uh, will provide a runway for growth going forward for Nova Leap. So let's get into the show this week. I got a quick announcement to start. Um, I will be a guest this week, uh, Saturday morning with Money Talks with Michael Campbell. I will be talking markets, recommending a couple of companies from our coverage universe. Now, which companies? Well, you will have to listen to find out. And that, my friends, is a teaser. That's how our professional broadcasting types, that's how we do it. Looking so, forward to it. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. Doing well. It's, um, I'm glad to be back. I, uh, I heard the feedback from last week's podcast. And I mean, you apparently mean, things didn't crickets, work out well. Right? Yeah, they, they didn't work out yeah. too well. So I'm glad to uh, <sighs> be here and kind of class up the, the show a little bit. Remember, that's, that's yeah. So how were your too. holidays? Well, always, always, Brennan. Always a shot at you. Yeah. It's only at you, actually. <laughs> yeah, the holidays were good. So I was gone for, for about a week. Uh, originally, we had plans, my family and I had plans to go to the Okanagan 
uh, for 10 days. But unfortunately, with the fires out there, um, with all the smoke, we, we had to cancel those plans. So we decided just to go up to Whistler and, and check that out. And it was it was good time. Yeah, well, I'm glad you guys uh, had an excellent time, and we do wish all uh, the anybody dealing with the uh, wildfires throughout BC. Um, hopefully, they're safe and uh, they've found places to relocate in the near term. Uh, it is there's some terrible devastation out there, and our hearts go out to everybody who's been uh, impacted by that or who has friends and family that have been impacted. Now, uh, Brennan. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we move there into is, our year stock or take? I, oh, I, I feel like I, I was need, giving you an out there. You could yeah, just say no, no. No, I need. You could I, just I feel say like no. I have an obligation to our listeners. You know, they've is it been, a cleansing uh, sort of? They've been anxiously awaiting, and I need to say that I failed my level two CFA exam. You know, I was a little sad. When <sighs> you I were saw literally. You were we had your zero CFA. emails. You were taking your this. CFA. Wow! Yeah, we didn't even know. <laughs> Come on, you guys know this. You guys know this. But uh, <laughs> I vaguely remember you mentioning something about it, but I don't really pay much attention. So yeah, well, you know, but I talked. You were literally inches away. Were you I not? was. I was. I was in. I believe the it was something like the fifty sixth or fifty seventh percentile. You needed to be in the sixtieth uh, or above to to pass. Essentially, as they only allow forty mm. percent of people to pass. Um, so that's kind of sad, but you know what? I'm getting back up on the horse and as well, you know, I was reading some headlines. This was the hardest level two CFA exam to pass in the last decade. So, you know, that's just, uh, I'm kind of licking my wounds there. Um, but you know, I truly well, pass level one. We're confident that in the fall you'll pass level, uh, level two, and we'll maybe get you to live tweet from the event. Cause we know it makes really <laughs> for really good podcasts. Yes. So Just l- not let's get you to do that the test because the CFA, no, no. I think the CFA frowns that, on yes, that. They do. They do. As a matter <laughs> yeah. of fact, high security Certainly. all around there to, to keep people honest. Well, so you feel okay? So you feel like you made some improvement this time around, Brian? Oh, definitely, definitely. I know like what mm-hmm. areas I need to focus on, and it's just funny. Like I did thousands of practice questions. Some of the areas that I thought I was the strongest in, such as like econ uh, or economics, I guess I should say the full term. Um, you know, I did so well on the practice questions and ended up in the exam. Didn't do that well. So you know, that's what happens. But uh, maybe it was the stress. Um, maybe it was just the massive workload that Ryan's always piling on me that just, I couldn't get to study, you know, I, I could see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. We do lump <laughs> you with kidding. a massive just load kidding. of work. Yeah, it's true. I but basically, I, I, the, to the, the, to the, the point days where leading up to the test, I try and call Brandon every 10 minutes. Yeah. 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 I called you 10 every 10 minutes during the test <laughs> to see if you'd pick up. So it just, you didn't seem to, no, we, we did not get through security. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's 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 true. Like we lump on, you don't really have a life. I mean, I asked you this morning if you could name five Avengers as uh, my, myself and my daughter were watching the Avengers movies over the weekend. And I think you named one. So, uh, you know, Come you on, literally tell people that I know, I know, Avengers. Aaron, I forgot. Wow. I, I bet you most of our listeners can't name five Avengers. Oh, would, please. I if would... you can name five Avengers, uh, send them in to us. And uh, <laughs> you're you're a better person than Brennan already. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody who can send in five five Avengers gets uh, a one-hour yeah, lunch. Yeah, with <laughs> to talk Avengers. You can talk yeah. Avengers, and that'll take about 45 seconds. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's enough. Brennan, we're going to move on to our Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. 
buy, sell, or hold. We've got uh, four companies to look at, three individual Your Stock Our Takes. I'm going to take the first one so I can get the heck out of here. So the first one's on Lightspeed Commerce Inc., symbol LSPD on the TSX. Trades around $117.88. $16.8 billion market cap. What does Lightspeed do? Well, the company was founded in Montreal, Canada in 2005. But it's really grown since it became a publicly listed company. It's dual listed on the New York Stock Exchange and Toronto Stock Exchange. They are a point of sale platform solution provider, primarily for small, mid-sized enterprises in the retail and restaurant industries. Lightspeed provides end-to-end solutions that integrate front-end software, back-end software, and payments. Let's look at some recent news. The company on August 8th, so Quite recently, they announced the closing of a $716 million U.S. financing. They expect to use the net proceeds uh, primarily to uh, grow the company, essentially pursue growth strategies, organic and uh, acquisition driven growth. There was already $603 million in cash and limited debt, so the company is definitely cashed up. So look at the Q1. This company's in its fiscal 2022 year already, so Q1 fiscal 2022. Great growth here. Revenues up to $115.9 million. That's a 220% increase. Part of that would be... Um, the economy opening up, more people going out to restaurants and point of sale. Uh, we saw recurring subscription revenue up 115% to around $50 million. There was a net loss here still, though, around $49.1 or $49.3 million. Uh, that is higher than the net loss in the same period last year of $20.1 million. After we adjust out some certain items, uh, there was an improvement here. Adjusted EBITDA, the loss was around $6 million. So there's strong financial guidance for fiscal 2022, uh, revenues of between 510 to 530 million. That's excellent growth from last year when it did 221 million. But adjusted EBITDA, the company is still expecting on an adjusted basis about 35 million uh, in terms of a loss in adjusted EBITDA there. So let's look at valuations. Well, it is for us, it's hard to value a company that has historically no earnings and is not expected to earn anything even on an adjusted basis, produce any cash flow this year or next, according to estimates. But the market loves the stock given the growth and the prospects of future profitability. So analysts are valuing the company on sales. Now let's look at that. Uh, Currently, the enterprise value to sales is in the range of 55 times trailing, about 23 times next year's expected sales. That's quite a rich multiple. Now, management has provided an approximate 20% uh, EBITDA margin target, adjusted EBITDA margin target long-term. If you compare that with other SaaS businesses, uh, even Shopify, for example, uh, which the listener asked about, uh, Shopify generated EBITDA margins of approximately 22% in the last quarter. Uh, so the target for here for um, for this company, Lightspeed, is not out of the realm of possibility in the range of 20%. But the company remains EBITDA negative right now. And at present, the journey from EBITDA negative to EBITDA margins of positive 20 is not easy as it is really just setting, they've set a goal at this point, particularly in a growth by acquisition story that has not produced a dime of cash flow. Now they could likely ratchet back spending on growth and be you know, slightly profitable now or more profitable. But um, 
you know, the market doesn't want them to do that, so they're not doing that. The question is what happens if the market starts to focus more on cash flow in this business and it's non-existent. Now, in my conclusion, the revenue growth for Lightspeed produced largely from acquisitions has been very impressive. Um, you, you look here in 2018, 57 million in revenue, 2019, 77 million, 2020, 120, trailing this year, 301, and it's expected to do over 500 million in its fiscal 2022 year. Um, so that, you know, and what we're looking at now, if management is able to target right now, if we could see this company at their target, which is a long-term target of 20% margins, it would be trading at about 150 times EV to EBITDA. That's a great deal of optimism priced into the stock. The growth and vision look good, but our minimum criteria is positive cash flow. And while Lightspeed shows great promise, it is not there yet. With a market cap of around 17 billion Canadian, we need to see some positive cash flow before we jump in. For sure. Yeah, 17 billion is a huge market cap for a Canadian company. I mean, this is still a, a mid cap mm -hmm. in the US, but relative to Canadian stocks, this is one of the largest companies uh, on the TSX right now. So, you know, looking at the revenue growth, as you said, is extremely impressive. Maybe yes, if is, all yeah. or most of that were organic, um, you could start to kind of understand the valuation. However, uh, if, if the revenue growth is being driven by acquisitions, they're essentially just acquiring more revenue. There is a point where they're not going to be able to do that anymore. And if we start to see revenue growth slow and they're still not profitable, that's when I think that you could really see a re-rating in the valuation. We've seen this happen before. Now, if they can continue to grow revenue, uh, if they can, if they can uh, transition into profitability, then the company stands a very good chance of earning this valuation. But, you know, generally speaking, if it's a growth stock, if it's being valued at a growth stock, if it's not producing cash flow and profitability, investors are going to want to see a high growth rate. They're not going to be they're not going to be satisfied with five to 15 percent. They're going to want to see a, a growth rate, um, you know, 50 percent, even approaching the triple digits. So that's what I would look out for with Lightspeed. I haven't specifically looked at what the organic growth is, but um, I would pay more attention myself to the organic growth than just the acquisition, um, just the acquisition. Yeah, growth. I mean, I, I think that that is exactly what we'd really like to see if you could pull out what the organic growth rate is. If they stopped making acquisitions, where would the growth be? Um, and then, you know, you'd have a better way of valuing it. Uh, I think management's definitely smart to raise capital uh, recently. Um, if you can raise it when your valuations are, you know, quite high, um, you know, you, you can make acquisitions of non-public companies or other companies, and it can become self-fulfilling. But, you know, like I said, if the market ever focuses in on cash flow and said, you know what, we're going to now, and, and we've seen it through market cycles where, uh, you look and say, now we're going to have to have this company make some cash flow. And uh, if it doesn't uh, start making cash flow, it can get a re-rating in terms of the valuation and it can have a significant correction. Um, again, like we said, significant revenue growth here. Um, you know, a lot of it from acquisition. So we're a little bit trepidatious in that respect because the company still hasn't proven its ability to uh, produce positive cash flow. And we we like to see businesses we see and we have recommended a number who do growth by acquisition, but um, all the time 
we look for a company that has already executed and proven their ability to be profitable because it is a journey to go and it is a difficult thing for many companies to go from uh, negative EBITDA to positive EBITDA over time. And, uh, you know, not every business can do it. So, you know, it's easier to keep running a business at negative cash flow and funding it from, you know, financings uh, than it is to, you know, squeeze out cash flow from the business and grow it over time uh, while you're, you know, actually generating cash flow, which is what, you know, goes to shareholders at some point in time in the future. So uh, we'll continue to monitor it. It's been a great success story, but we'd like to see it make some money at some point. Our second Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. Uh, comes in via YouTube. Uh, it's for Aaron. What's your take on comparing Northland Power versus Greenland Renewables? Which has a better future growth? Which has better future growth, essentially? Great. So you want to take that? I'm happy to take that question. I love these stock comparisons. So let's take a look at these two companies. Uh, Northland Power, the symbol is NPI. It trades at about $40 per share, a $9.2 billion market cap. And it also has a dividend yield right now of 2.9%. So Northland Power is a global power producer. Uh, they have a long history going back to 1987 of developing and building um, green power infrastructure assets. They are a leader in offshore wind. Currently, they have an economic interest in gross operating generating capacity of 3.2 gigawatts. They also have uh, mid-stage development opportunities of approximately 4 to 5 gigawatts of potential capacity. Greenlane Renewables. Uh, Greenlane Renewables is a newer company. They just started trading on the market as a publicly traded company in February of, or sorry, of in, in November of 2018. Greenlane has a share price of $1.60, a market capitalization of $237 million, and it doesn't have any yield right now. It does not pay a dividend. So Greenlane Renewables, they are a provider of biogas upgrading systems that are helping decarbonize natural gas. They have a 30-year history in the industry. They have patented proprietary technology and over 125 biogas upgrading systems sold in 19 countries worldwide. So first thing we're gonna point out here is that there is a major difference in the size of these two companies. Northland, $9.2 billion company, uh, not even including the debt, that's just the equity. Uh, Green Lane Renewables, a $237 million company. Um, so very different in terms of size. Uh, one pays a yield, the other does not. One has certainly a far longer track record as a public company, that would be Northland, whereas Green Lane, a relatively new uh, entry to the public stock market just in the last couple of years here. What I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna do a quick financial comparison here of the two companies then we'll, uh, we'll get my conclusion just, just looking at both of them and, and comparing and which, which company I would prefer to invest my money in. Uh, so let's take a look at Northland. Uh, their second quarter 2021 results. Na sales were $408 million for the quarter. That was a decline of 5% compared to the previous year. Adjusted EBITDA also declined 10% to $203 million. Uh, they re reported adjusted free cash flow per share of 10 cents, which was a decline of 47% compared to the previous year. 
They also, in their last quarter, updated their 2021 financial guidance. They, re they revised guidance downwards for free cash flow per share to a range of $1.60 to $1.70 compared to their initial guidance of $1.80 to $2 per share in free cash flow. Northland also has debt of about $6.6 .6 billion and about $864 million in cash. Looking at the full year performance for 2020, uh, different picture here, revenue was up 24% for the year, adjusted EBITDA increased 19%, and adjusted free cash flow per share increased 6%. Now let's take a look at the financial performance for Greenlane. Uh, in the second quarter, they reported record, record revenue of $12.6 which was an increase of 200%. Uh, adjusted EBITDA was barely positive at about $100,000, so just squeaking out a slight little bit of adjusted EBITDA. They reported a sales order backlog of about $42 million. They also report a potential sales pipeline valued at over $800 million. Uh, they have no debt on their balance sheet. They have cash of $36 million. Looking at Greenlane's full year performance for 2020, revenue is up 147% but adjusted EBITDA was a loss of $1.7 million. My conclusion on this comparison, Northland and Greenland are really two very different companies. And aside from both of them operating in the renewable space, they're really not directly comparable. Northland is obviously a much more established company. It has a history of very aggressive development of new projects. That's how they grow. This does, I find, result in a lot of fluctuation in profitability and financial performance from quarter to quarter and sometimes even from year to year. However, over time, the cash flow per share does tend to increase and we believe that the dividend is likely sustainable. Northland's debt leverage is on the high end, but the company also produces revenue and cash flow based on long-term contracts, so they have a very high level of visibility with respect to future financial performance. Greenlane is a much more speculative company, much more development stage. It's never been profitable. It's not cash flow positive. Uh, this would mean that it would not pass Keystone's investment criteria, which does require profitability from current operations. The balance sheet of Greenlane is very strong. Uh, that net cash balance, that's going to give them some flexibility to in invest. The revenue growth has been very impressive. However, due to the lack of profitability, this isn't something Keystone would ever recommend. However, uh, for somebody that, that is looking for a speculative growth stock, they could take a look further into Greenlane um, and there may be some opportunity there. For myself, if I had capital, that I was looking to invest. I don't know if I would invest in either company right now. Um, however, Northland, just in terms of it being a cash flow positive business with a strong track record, a little bit of a yield. Uh, if I had to choose between these two uh, to make a significant investment, it, it would be Northland. Yeah, I, th I think it's a good summary. I mean, Northland would certainly come closer to meeting our criteria, although, you know, I've read into it. They, they missed estimates on their last quarter. So we, you know, have to dive deeper into why that occurred and, you know, if there is growth going forward. Um, Greenlane, you know, like you said, if you want to compare the two, far less visibility going forward in terms of where where the, you know, there's not a ton of, it's not recurring projects right now that we see in the business. Um, so there's far less visibility going forward. It's certainly an interesting company uh, that has high growth and we're watching it closely and ranks higher than many companies that trade, you know, on the TSX Venture or the TSX 
period. Uh, but, uh, you know, we need that minimum criteria profitability uh, in terms of cash flow from the business before we really uh, would uh, be investing in a company like that. So I think another thing to look at here is that um, Northland's business, just the underlying business, they, they develop renewable power projects and then sell, uh, operate them and sell the electricity under long-term contract. I mean, that's a fairly easy business to understand. Biogas mm-hmm. upgrading systems, uh, that's not that's not a market that I'm particularly familiar with. So if I were to look at Green Lane as a speculative opportunity, I'd really have to understand that market. I'm gonna I'm gonna hazard a guess here that it's probably a lot more complicated to 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 get a handle on. But neither of these companies, the share price, neither of them have had good share price performance this this year. Uh, this has been. Uh, fairly common amongst renewable stocks. Uh, Northland is down about 20% from its highs in February. Greenlane is down 40% from its highs in February. You know, for a company like Greenlane, we would definitely expect it to be more. Yeah, there's a huge sectorial trade at the start of this year, you know, and into, going into the end of last year into renewables and, uh, you know, valuations got well out of hand in many of these companies and you know predictively there's been a sell-off and you know there'll probably be a time where there'll be some of the high quality names in this sector over the next year to probably look at buying again and you know we follow a couple of high quality names in that sector that may uh, present some value over the long term for our clients and we'll continue to monitor those uh let's move on it's time we answer a question on your stock In a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. To Nova Leap Health, symbol NLH on the TSX Venture. Brennan, we're going to task you with this one. Thank you. So this did come in from Thomas, who is one of our Canadian small cap clients, and he essentially wanted us to compare Nova Leap to the healthcare company that I've been touting on the podcast for the last couple of weeks. Of course, he knows what uh, company that is, but I'm not going to say it on here. So I'm sorry for anyone who isn't a client. Um, So Nova Leap Health, NLH on the TSX Venture, currently trading at a price of about 74 cents and has a market cap of about 58.6 million. So Nova Leap uh, is a home healthcare services company operating in the U.S. and Canada. The company performs a vital role with the continuum of care with an individual and family-centered focus, particularly those requiring dementia care. And the company's services are service offerings include meal prep, housekeeping, transportation, personal care, and medication reminders. So a few points to uh, to take into consideration here is uh, mid uh, quarter two, which was the quarter that they just reported, uh, the company closed a five point five million dollar private placement uh, for about or with about seven million shares added to their outstanding share balance, I believe. And the company did um, acquire a couple of businesses, uh, or at least these uh, deals were completed. Uh, in August. The first was on August 3rd of 2021, Nova acquired a New England home care business. Uh, and the this acquisition price came in at about 4.25 times trailing EBITDA. So, you know, a reasonable multiple there, I would, I would argue. And the other acquisition was on August 4th that they completed uh, and Nova acquired a home care business in Oklahoma. Uh, and this company didn't actually, uh, or they didn't note that this company had EBITDA, but uh, the price multiple that they paid in relation to sales was about 0.5 times. So again, not bad. You know, it could be uh, reasonably accretive going forward. 
So, you know, I, I do coming off of those two acquisitions, I do want to say that in their MDNA, uh, they did kind of note this interesting piece where management said that one area of disappointment was an additional goodwill impairment of about 600,000. So essentially, uh, or the management said that we do have one business unit that has not met our expectations. While acquiring turnaround situations, it is inherently difficult. And while certain progress has been made, we felt at the time uh, it will take to achieve our expected results warranted an impairment. So just so people understand, this is just kind of accounting jargon. Essentially, what it is showing is that the company uh, essentially overpaid for a past acquisition, meaning that they are now um, impairing that goodwill or what they overpaid for the business. Anyways, just to give a little bit of info there. So looking at the recent financial results, this is for Q2 of 2021. All of these are in US dollars. Uh, revenue increased 28% to 5.1 million compared to the same period last year. Adjusted net income for the quarter was a loss of about 243,000. Um, Q2 adjusted EBITDA declined about 70% uh, to 43,000 compared to uh, 160,000 for the same period last year. Looking at the balance sheet, including the recent forced conversion of some convertible debt that they just did, I have the company with a net cash position of about uh, $2.8 million. So that looks pretty good. So the big thing here is let's look at the valuation. So trailing adjusted EBITDA for the business was approximately $88,000. So if we consider similar EBITDA margins for the Oklahoma acquisition and then add in the $155,000 EBITDA from the New England business that they just completed for the acquisition, uh, Nova Leap's consolidated trailing results should come in at approximately $400,000. Now, with an enterprise value of approximately $44 million US and my trailing EBITDA estimates, uh, which include the two recent acquisitions, I come to a trailing enterprise value to EBITDA multiple of over 100 times. So that looks very pricey. Now, I do want to note that in 2019, the company did about 900,000 in EBITDA, and in 2020, it did about 462,000 in EBITDA. But we have sort of seen the company jump up into profitability and now dip back below profitability, or at least have seen it come back to where it is just marginally profitable. Now, to give the company some benefit of the doubt here, if we projected that the company could return to its high watermark of 900,000 in annual EBITDA, along with the additional EBITDA from its two recent acquisitions, we would still be at an enterprise value to EBITDA multiple of approximately 30 times. So I personally believe that the company is more on the expensive side of things right now. And just to put this into perspective, I'm not going to say its name for client's sake, but the healthcare company that I, I like is growing at similar, if not better rates, and is trading at about 14 times 2021 EBITDA, which I would argue is potentially on the conservative side. So to conclude, I like Nova. It operates in a great sector, has a net cash position, is breaking into profitability and making acquisitions at accretive multiples. Now, even despite management indicating that they had overpaid and impaired one of their investments, which isn't a great sign. But right now, what really pushes me away from the business is just its current valuation of around 30 times its potential run rate as, uh, as a business. You know, personally, I believe they're a better bang for the buck opportunities in the small cap health care sector in Canada, which of course I've been touting time and time again on the podcast. And that was a lot of information. I hope that uh, that was a good thorough analysis for people.
and clearly my uh my, my co-hosts are sleeping after that i you said you said uh sorry my mic was off but you said um the the growth rates were relatively similar in those two companies. I think the growth rate of the company that we have in coverage is uh, significantly higher. Uh, like revenues were about two hundred forty five percent in the last quarter growth, uh, and then I think Nova Leap had about a twenty eight percent increase in revenues. So and and you know Good also catch. the company you know doubled EBITDA and was actually profitable. So you know I, I think that you know I think and you know you're talking about health tech company versus just more healthcare, right? So, I mean, I, I think that it's, you know, you can compare the two for sure, but um, I think that when you're looking at relatively similar market cap, you know, a little bit higher on probably the one that is in our coverage, but in terms of the growth rates, both organically and from acquisition, far higher, uh, better valuations, more profitable, I think, you know, it's a no-brainer at this point. Me too. Aaron, are you still there? Did he fall out of your chair? Or? I am still there. I am still there. No, You're I'm just, uh, the world. just just taking it all in. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I just don't even think yeah, it's a comparison. Yeah. I mean, you're you're you, you Nova's EBITDA is yeah. also in decline, is it not? Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's and I've seen some comparison. projections here. E- even if they do get back to you know the the projections on two, 2021 expected. Uh, on Nova Leap, it would be an EV to EBITDA in the range of 60. Then even if they were able to complete some acquisitions, grow significantly into 2022, you're talking about 19 times EV to EBITDA. Um, you know, right now, you know, the company in our coverage is below that two-year out multiple. So, and yeah. plus it's growing at a higher rate. So, I mean, the, you so you're talking, you're talking a premium. Yeah. Valuation multiple for a very non-premium company. Yeah, and and maybe Nova Leap will execute very well. We'll continue to monitor it, but uh, you know we always when we're choosing to put our dollars in one space or another space, you know, you have company A, company B, uh, company A could even be a decent company with good reasonable valuations, but if you had a, a really good company with even better valuations, you know, then you're going to put your dollars towards company B. And, you know, again, that's what we're doing here. So we're putting our dollars towards the company that we think trades at more reasonable valuations, has superior growth, and, um, you know, has superior organic, superior acquisition growth. So that's that's why when we uh, look at two different companies, that's why it breaks down and we uh, make a recommendation in one in company B versus company A. So I think that's going to close out our show for this week. Any final closing remarks from uh, my co-hosts? I don't think so. I'll start studying the Avengers. <sighs> you better. Yeah, I'll start for studying the, the love Avengers. of God. And can you can you watch the Usual Suspects so we can maybe talk about that on a yeah. podcast? I, I, that's only what two I'll and a half it. years I've been asking you to watch it. For the love of God. Yes. Didn't Brennan, didn't Brennan also not know who John Candy was? I know who John. I thought John John. Well, because we told you who he was. No, no. But Kevin Costner. Heavy, Kevin, Kevin Costner. Costner. Okay, well, yes, I still can't I don't even blame put you a face that. to the name Kevin Costner. No, I have no okay. idea. Okay. 
Yeah, well, they just did a Field of Dreams uh, baseball game, like in the in the fields, in the cornfields in Iowa, like an actual game there. And, uh, you know, that was based on the movie. Kevin Costner, obviously, uh, the star of that obviously, movie. Obviously, right, Brandon? And, and I do know that, that movie, movie but yeah, I didn't Brandon. know that Kevin Costner was the primary role in that movie. Oh, poor yes. Brandon. It's, I mean, you're, you're what, like 50 years younger than no, us? So, I mean, it's, no, yeah, no. I know, Don't it's, age it's okay. That, it's okay. You're not supposed to know these things. You're not supposed to know these things. But you do know all about Marcus Aurelius, so maybe we could That's do a podcast true. on that, That right? is true. Ask me about philosophers, and I'll tell you. <sighs> Sure, we'll ask you about the Philosopher Kings. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, all right, that'll close it out this week. Keep your questions coming into our Your Stock, Our Take segments, all of our Ask Us Anything segments. If you want us to compare two companies like Aaron did this week, send those questions in. Keep rating us and reviewing us on iTunes so we can keep pumping out this content. And as always, I wish everybody out there profitable investing. Profitable investing. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.